is 80 the new 30? Quote, Cartoon in the New York, the New Yorker. Two cavemen are shown chatting, one of whom is saying, something's just not right. Our air is clean, our water is pure, we all get plenty of exercise, everything we eat is organic and free range, and yet nobody lives past 30. Unquote. Statistical distortions due to infanticide are not the only source of confusion concerning prehistoric longevity. As you might imagine, it's not so easy to determine the age of death of a skeleton that's been in the ground for thousands of years. For various technical reasons, archaeologists often underestimate the age of death. For example, archaeologists estimated the ages of death of skeletons taken from mission cemeteries in California. After the estimates had been made, written records of the actual ages of death were discovered. While the archaeologists had estimated that only about 5% had lived to age 45 or beyond, the documents proved that seven times that many, 37%, of the people buried in that these cemeteries were over 45 years of age when they died. If estimates can be so far off on skeletons just a few hundred years old, imagine the inaccuracies with remains that are tens of thousands of years old. One of the most reliable techniques archaeologists use to estimate age at death is dental eruption. They look at how far the molars have grown out of the jawbone, which indicates roughly how old a young adult was at death. But our quote-unquote wisdom teeth stop erupting in our early to mid-30s, which means that archaeologists note the age at death of skeletons beyond this point as 35 plus. This doesn't mean that 35 was the age of death, that person was 35 or older. He or she may have been anywhere from 35 to 100 years old. Nobody knows. Somewhere along the line, this notation system was mistranslated in the popular press, leaving the impression that our ancient ancestors rarely made it past 35. Big mistake. A wide range of data sources, including even the Old Testament, point to a typical human lifespan of anywhere from 70 in the Bible, 3 score and 10, to over 90 years. In one study, scientists calibrated brain and body weight ratios across different primates, arriving at an estimate of 66 to 78 years for Homo sapiens. These numbers bear up under observation of modern-day foragers. Among the Kungsan, Hadza, and Achi societies in Africa and South America, a female who lived to 45 could be expected to survive another 20, 21.3, 
and 21.1-22.1 years, respectively. Among the Kungsan, most people who reached 60 could reasonably expect to live another 10 years or so. Active years of mobility and social contribution. Anthropologist Richard Lee reported that 1 in 10 of the Kung he encountered in his time in Botswana were over 60 years of age. As mentioned in previous chapters, it's clear that overall human health, including longevity, took a severe hit from agriculture. The typical human diet went from extreme variety and nutritional richness to just a few types of grain, possibly supplemented by occasional meat and dairy. The Achi diet, for example, includes 78 different species of mammal, 21 species of reptiles and amphibians, more than 150 species of birds and 14 species of fish, as well as a wide range of plants. In addition to the reduced nutritional value of the agricultural diet, the diseases deadliest to our species began their dreadful rampage when human populations turned to agriculture. Conditions were perfect, high-density population centers stowing in their own filth, domesticated animals in close proximity, adding their excrement, viruses, and parasites to the mix, and extended trade routes facilitating the movement of contagious pathogens from populations with immunity to vulnerable communities. When James Larrick and his colleagues studied the still relatively isolated Wairani, Waorani Indians of Ecuador, they found no evidence of hypertension, heart disease, or cancer, no anemia or common cold, no internal parasites, no sign of previous exposure to polio, pneumonia, smallpox, chickenpox, typhus, typhoid, syphilis, tuberculosis, malaria, or serum hepatitis. This is not as surprising as it may seem, given that almost all these diseases either originated in domesticated animals or depend upon high-density population for easy transmission. The deadliest infectious diseases and parasites that have plagued our species could not have spread until after the transition to agriculture. Table 3, Deadly Diseases from Domesticated Animals Human Disease and Animal Source Measles came from cattle, rinderpest, tuberculosis from cattle, smallpox from cattle, cowpox, influenza from pigs and birds, pertussis from pigs and dogs, falcipara malaria from birds. The dramatic increases in world population that paralleled agricultural development don't indicate increased health, but increased fertility. More people living to reproduce, but lower quality of life for those who do. Even Edgerton, who repeatedly tells longevity lie, foragers' lives are short, life expectancy at birth ranges between 20 and 40 years. Unquote, has to agree that somehow 
foragers manage to be healthier than agriculturalists. Quote, agriculturalists throughout the world were always less healthy than hunters and gatherers. The urban population of Europe, he writes, did not match the longevity of hunter-gatherers until the mid-19th or even the 20th century. That's in Europe. People living in Africa, most of Asia, and Latin America have still not regained the longevity typical of their ancestors. And thanks to chronic world poverty, global warming, and AIDS, it's unlikely they will for the foreseeable future. Once pathogens mutate into human populations from domesticated animals, they quickly migrate from one community to another. For these agents of disease, the initiation of global trade was a boon. Bubonic plague took the silk route to Europe. Smallpox and measles stowed away in ships headed for the New World, while syphilis appears to have hitched a ride back across the Atlantic probably in Columbus's first return voyage. Today, the Western world flutters into annual panics over avian flu scares emanating from the Far East. Ebola, SARS, flesh-eating bacteria, the H1N1 virus, swine flu, the innumerable pathogens yet to be named keep us compulsively washing our hands. While there were no doubt occasional outbreaks of infectious diseases in prehistory, it's unlikely they spread far, even with high levels of sexual promiscuity. It would have been nearly impossible for pathogens to take hold in widely dispersed groups of foragers with infrequent contacts between groups. The conditions necessary for devastating epidemics or pandemics just didn't exist until the agricultural revolution. The claim that modern medicine and sanitation save us from infectious diseases that ravaged pre-agricultural people, something we hear often, is like arguing that seatbelts and airbags protect us from car crashes that were fatal to our prehistoric ancestors.